Good morning. And welcome to those of you online. I see you. Glad that you're here. Beverly read this passage. I'm going to read it again this morning out of Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill her promises to her. Let's just pray again. God, thank you for your word. Um, God, thank you for the ways in which it reminds us of who you are. And we yield ourselves, God, to you uh, this morning afresh. God, we want to pay attention to the ways in which you want to speak to us. And encourage us this morning. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this portion of scripture, um, when I read it, I just smile. In addition to mentioning uh, the three adults in the room, Zachariah, Elizabeth, and Mary, Luke named the presence of the three persons of the Trinity. God the Father, who fulfilled his promises to and through Mary, God the Spirit, who filled Elizabeth and gave her prophetic knowledge of who was in Mary's womb, and God the Son, whose identity had earlier been revealed to Mary by the angel Gabriel, who announced, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. What a great announcement. Given this great company, it should come as no surprise that the baby that Elizabeth was bearing, the one who would become known as John the Baptizer, would leap for joy in his mother's womb. This is an appropriate reaction for anyone, born or yet to be born, to have in response to the good news of great joy. The birth of Jesus was announced by angels as good news of great joy that is for all people. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Each year, the Advent season, the four weeks leading up to the great celebration of Jesus' birth, reminds Jesus' followers of the hope and the peace, and the joy, and the love that we can experience throughout the year 
because we know Jesus. Advent tethers us to God, helping to prevent us from spiraling out of control into despair, anxiety, depression, and isolation. Like gravity, this season of Advent helps keep us grounded on what is true and solid in a world filled with biased news and scams and unfulfilled promises. Almost every morning after turning off my alarm, the first thing I do is I I sit up in bed and I place my feet on the ground. And before I stand up, I recite Psalm 118, verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Then, to the best of my pre-caffeinated ability, I rehearse the day before me. I think about the meetings that are scheduled. I think about the people that I'm hoping to be connecting with. I think about the errands that I need to run, the projects that I need to to complete plans that are needing my attention. I think about when am I going to exercise? When am I going to practice my trumpet? And I always think about when will Beverly and I have time together to pray and just to share with one another. So I really don't remember when I began this daily habit. But it definitely has become in my life exactly that, a habit. I don't even think about doing it. I just do it. Honestly, most days as I review what's on my schedule, at least what I can remember in those early pre-dawn hours, I get excited and I can't wait for the day to get started. Fridays are usually like that because Fridays begin with three hours of band rehearsals. On Fridays, I get to make music with some pretty incredible people who have become my friends. It's easy to rejoice and be glad for days like Fridays. But not every day is a Friday. You know what I mean? For instance, I have one day in the week that begins with three full hours of Zoom meetings. It's really three, and, three hours and 15 minutes. It takes a lot more strength for me anyways to rejoice and be glad before three hours of a meeting of meetings on the computer in my office. Oh, God, help me. As as Advent is to our year, this daily practice of reciting Psalm 118.24 is to my day. It tethers me to Christ and grounds me in the reality of his presence with me and his promises to me and for me, declaring that this is the day that the Lord has made, reminds me that God is inviting me into this new day with him. And it's because of his presence that I can and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Knowing that whatever I face, I don't face it alone. I face it with him. Rejoicing 
Rejoicing is simply the outward expression of inward joy. That's all it is. Without joy, there is no rejoicing. We've talked before about the difference between being happy and being joyful. Being happy is an emotion that is determined by our circumstances. Our circumstances constantly change, don't they? Oh, from one moment to the next. And as a result, so too do our emotions. In other words, our happiness is dependent upon what's happening. Being joyful, on the other hand, transcends our emotions and circumstances because it is more of a character or a quality that we receive from God and we keep by staying near to God. Joy is listed as one of the characteristics of a person who is filled with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul names joy along with love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He lists joy not as an emotion, but as a part of a person's Character as they are being shaped more and more into the image of Christ. The good news is that God wants all of us filled with these qualities, including joy, 24-7. And that when we find ourselves feeling like we're lacking a little joy, we can just go to him and get a refill. He's that good. The book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament recounts the story of the Israelites returning to Jerusalem from exile. After rebuilding the city wall, all the inhabitants, probably close to about 50,000 men and women, gathered to hear Ezra, the priest, read from the book of the law of Moses. As they listened to the law being read, many of them for the first time, they were overwhelmed with the guilt of their sin and they began weeping. We pick up the story in Nehemiah chapter 8, beginning with verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to the Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Love that passage. The right response to God's word. Rejoicing is a response to joy. Notice that it was God, his presence with them and his promises to them from whom these people found their strength. And it was in response to his joy for his children 
that they were able to leave rejoicing. The joy of the Lord became their strength to renounce sin and to turn toward God and his word in obedience. This is the fruit of God's spirit at work. Does anybody else see this? Yeah. I have been mourning in a different way. A month ago, actually today, was my dad's funeral. And I just want to say thank you for praying for me and praying for my family. Deeply, deeply appreciated. So I have been sad. Uh, and it's been difficult. And I miss my dad tremendously. But I have to say that I really have sensed God's spirit comforting me. And I do have to say that I do feel like the joy of the Lord has been my strength in this season. I've learned that being sad isn't the absence of joy. Any more than being happy is the evidence of it. Yeah, the joy that God offers transcends my emotions and my circumstances and yours. Our emotions fluctuate, don't they? Oh. But the joy of the Lord, this gift that God gives, is constant, just as the one who gives this gift is constant and faithful. So I thank God for his joy in my life in this season of grief. One day, Jesus tried explaining to his disciples that the day of his own departure from this world would be soon. As I read this passage from uh, John 16, I saw in a new way uh, what Jesus was saying about joy in the context of sorrow and grief. So let me read this passage to you and see if you can notice this relationship. Um, between joy and sorrow and grief. John 16. A little while, Jesus said, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while, you will not see me. And again, a little while, you will see me. Can you imagine? Hey, it'd be confusing at times, wouldn't it? Um, hearing Jesus speak. Uh, and, and because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. <clears throat> Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you are asking among yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you will not see me, and again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful. Your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also, you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, 
and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive that your joy may be full. It's John 16, verses 16 to 24. Jesus acknowledged that those who loved him would experience deep anguish upon his death, while those who hated him would celebrate their apparent victory. He knew that this was going to happen. That wasn't going to be any surprise to him. You will be sorrowful, Jesus predicted of his followers. But then he says, but your sorrow will turn to joy. You have sorrow now, but your hearts will rejoice, and no one can take away the joy that I'm going to give you. Notice the reason why their sorrow will turn into joy. This is important. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, Jesus says. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus Jesus promised that he would someday be with them again, and that's all they needed to find comfort and to find joy. As it was for John the baptizer in the womb, the proper response is always to rejoice when in the presence of Christ. It's always the proper response. For three days, his disciples would be filled with deep grief grief after his death on the cross. But on that first resurrection Sunday, when he appeared to them alive again, He knew that they too would leap for joy as well they did and that their joy would remain forever. By the indwelling of the presence of the Holy Spirit, he would remain with them and for this reason, they would rejoice. And this was a joy that the world would never be able to take away from them. He also knew that all true followers of Jesus Christ down through the ages would have the joy of his presence by this same spirit, giving them the strength that they would need in their own difficult seasons of life. I don't know about you, but I am really glad that what God gives, the very presence of his Holy Spirit and his promises to us, that none of them can ever be taken from from me and from you. Is that good news? Yeah? It's so good. It's so good. There will be a day when we will see Jesus face to face. John writes about this to some believers after Jesus' ascension into heaven. So Jesus was resurrected. He spent time on earth, and then he ascended into heaven. John writes about what we will experience on this side of the resurrection. He said, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. There will be a day when we too will see Jesus face to face.
That's good news, too. Jesus promised that you and I will be with him for all eternity. And this is meant to bring us comfort and joy in seasons of deep hardship. I recently came across the phrase defiant joy. Defiant joy. This is a phrase used to describe an attitude of of internal resistance against external threats. uh, Like lighting a candle in the darkness. Defiant joy. Psalm 51, the psalm that Bono prayed from, is David's prayer of lament for his sin of adultery murder, and deceit. It's in this psalm that David prays these familiar words. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This was David's prayer of defiant joy. God's joy that would be his strength to renounce sin and turn afresh toward God and his word in obedience. This was God's spirit at work strengthening and purifying David's soul. When we're weak, When we're tired, we're tempted, stressed, I saw those hands, full of some anxiety, when we're mourning, grieving, lamenting, we too can pray for and know defiant joy. We can ask God to fill us with his joy and give us an attitude of internal resistance against any external threat, like a candle burning in the darkness. It's the joy of Emmanuel, God's presence with us, and his promises to us that upholds us in this season and every season throughout the year. Restoring to us a right spirit that rejoices in defiance of any force working against us. We too can leap for joy in response to his joy for us. I hope some of this makes sense. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask the worship team uh, to come up. And... um, So, Father, my prayers for myself, my prayers for my sisters, and my brothers. God, I know that there are people in this room that are facing some really difficult situations. I know that news from doctors have not been good. I I know that there are people that are struggling, struggling. I know that there are some students that are a little anxious about this coming week. God, I know that there are people that are worried about jobs and how on earth are they going to pay their bills this winter. God, there's anxiety and there's stress and there's worry and there's sadness. There's anger. 
there's grieving. And I also know, oh God, that there's happiness. And, and I thank you, Father, for that too. But God, I thank you for your joy. And I thank you that your joy has a way of, of carrying us along, God, through the ups and through the downs. So God, help us, we pray, to continue to live out of the abundance, the abundant joy, God, that is ours in Christ Jesus. This joy, his joy, the joy of the Lord, is it's what gets me out of bed in the morning on Fridays and on every day of the week. Every day, every day is a day that the Lord has made. So my friends, let us defiantly rejoice in response to his joy for all of them. It's my prayer for us.